Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through. Keeping their delicate skin healthy and happy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick and goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable. When my oldest was little, she would get the worst diaper rash. It left me feeling so desperate to help her while also wanting something gentle on her skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor. When she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash, she let nothing get in her way. You can use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel confident that you are making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra-premium formula for moms that won't settle when it comes to their little ones. Soothe and restore with active ingredients being dimethicone and petrolatum. You can find more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com or find it on Amazon or Walmart.com. The Lactation Network is setting a new standard for parents and lactation consultants alike. At TLN, their movement goes beyond any single outlet or tool. They activate education, connection, and advocacy to foster the new network of inclusive care between parents and IBCLCs. TLN is powered by the largest network of IBCLCs in the country. In fact, it's over 1,000 IBCLCs that are available to help you. You can find out if your insurance covers IBCLC support by requesting a free consult today. Take control of your breastfeeding journey and visit tln.care slash feedback. You are tuned into the VBAC Link Podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC-specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Hey, hey, you guys. We have another episode for you today, and we are sharing a story, well, stories from our friend, Hannah. Welcome, Hannah. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. We are always excited to share new stories and just a little bit about cute Hannah here. Um, we were just chatting right before we pushed record. She's had babies in, she's had, she has three babies and she's had three babies in three different states, which is kind of yeah. cool. So you can, you kind of know how the birth world looks in a few different areas. Would you say they're very similar? Would you say they're vastly different? What would you write being, you know, having babies in three different places? Right. Um, well, I would say from my experience, very different. Um, but more so having a baby out of the country. So I've had one in Carolina. Yes. And then I've had one in Argentina, well, Argentina, and then one in Texas. So kind of very different places and different levels of care. (laughs) Yes. So I think if I were to choose to do anything with my free time, I mean, there's a lot of things, but one of the things in the birth world that I'd really like to do 
is like teleport to like all the different areas and just be a fly on the wall and witness birth all around the world truly like i would love to see the differences between that you know as a doula like i've only seen birth live here in utah right Mm -hmm. so i think that would be really interesting well like i said she is her last baby was born in texas and so if you guys are listening from texas Listen up because she she did have her V back in Texas. But yeah, she is um a wife. Then they've been married for nine years, right? You and David have been married for nine years. Um, and have three beautiful girls. And so we're gonna hear about their birth and then we're gonna talk I, I we're gonna talk a little bit about miscarriage too, right? Yes. And these stories, yes, because she's got some angel babies as well. So I am excited to share these, have you share these stories with us today. I would just love to turn the time over to you. All right. Well, thank you. And yes, I have had, I guess, a different birth story in the sense of that I've given birth different places. So um, I'll start with our first. Um, So I'm kind of from a large family. I'm one of eight kids and my mom had four of us at home So I was very familiar with, I guess, like midwifery and all of those things. Um, So I knew that if we had a baby, when when my husband and I got married, that's kind of what I wanted to pursue. Mm -hmm. Um, But my husband, of course, was not familiar with that. I mean, he kind of thought- A little more foreign. Right. And he was like, uh, I think he kind of thought it was a little weird, um, but he was, he was very, very supportive. And um, so about two years into our marriage, uh, we found out we were expecting with our first, um, we were living in South Carolina at the time. So I started researching uh, midwives and I found one there, um, Labors of Love in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And just a great midwife. And my husband went to all the appointments and we had an initial meeting with her. And I remember he had like some questions, but I think what really helped us as a couple and my husband to really get on board and just like to be that support that I really needed as we took a pretty intensive birth class together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about an eight week course. Um, it was about two hours each night. And it was with a group of other couples. And so we learned labor techniques and just like the whole pregnancy process. And then she also covered postpartum. And that just really helped, of course, me, because I've never had a baby before. But then my husband also to really kind of, I guess, understand more and then to really be Mm -hmm. supportive because he really was there for me during my birth, which in the beginning, he was kind of like, I don't know, you know, the whole thing kind of was a little weird to him. Yeah. (laughs) So my first birth, I'll just go over pretty quickly. It was a pretty smooth pregnancy. And just really, I wasn't sick. I was very active. Of course, I was younger, (laughs) a little bit younger. Um, And it was just very smooth. I didn't hardly gain any weight. And it just went by very well. But at about 37 weeks, we went in and she was breech. Mm. And so um, my midwife suggested I try chiropractor work. Yeah. Which hadn't yeah. been to me. So I had never been to the chiropractor. I remember I went, I was so nervous. Um, and so we had a couple sessions with her and thank the Lord, the baby flipped. She got in position. 
And so it was, I was so excited. And so we were able to have that natural birth with my first daughter. I really wanted a water birth. And at the birthing center, they had a tub and I was laboring for quite a while in the water, but then I had a lip and a cervical lip. A cervical lip. Yes. So I was, she had checked me and everything seemed like it was going really well. I had been in labor for about six hours and she was like, you're a 10. Like, you know, do you feel pushy or this? And I'm like, no, I don't feel, you know, anything. And she's like, let's get you out of the water and see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lip. And so we tried different things to try to like get that moved. Yeah. Um, and we ended up going outside, like on the porch and walking. Oh, and, yeah. Um, my husband, he still, he still reminds me of this because he's like, whose idea was it to go walk on the porches? Because it was my husband's idea. And I didn't want to go because it's like, you know, I was in the tub and I'm like, right. I don't want to walk. And he's like, come on, put your, and I remember he was like putting a robe on me and he's like, let's go outside and walk. But within about 10 minutes of walking outside, my water broke and she was crowning. So it was like, wow. There. And so I remember I reached down and I'm like, I think that's her head. And so my husband called the midwife and she's like, let's try to get her inside because we were still outside at the yeah. time. And so they got me inside to the bed and um, the next contraction, I didn't really feel like I pushed that much. It was kind of more my body just mm-hmm. pushed involuntarily. Yes. And her head came out and then the next push, her body came out and it was wow. just very smooth, very quick. And she was six pounds, 11 ounces. And she was just perfect. perfect. So, yes. so excited. And so then the next year uh, we found out we were expecting again uh, we were very excited and they were going to be pretty close together, but we were happy. And uh, we went and did an early ultrasound because between these two pregnancies, I had not gotten my period back. I was breastfeeding. Oh, uh-huh. And so I was kind of like, I have no idea how far along I am. Right. I, and I was kind of nervous about that because at the time we were planning to move to South America, to Argentina. And so we were kind of packing up and getting ready to move. And I'm like, I don't know if she'll be stay stateside and have the baby right. head over there. Yeah, kind of stressful. Right. And so we went in for an early ultrasound, um, but that ended up ending in a miscarriage at around mm-hmm. eight weeks. And one of the things that we didn't know, so we were working with the same midwife at the time, mm-hmm. but she didn't do ultrasounds in her office because she was just a midwife in like her, it was a pretty small birthing center. So she would, you would go to another office. Mm-hmm. And do so we had done one and they didn't tell us anything. But then when I miscarried, I called my midwife and uh, to let her know that I had miscarried. And then she informed me that I was actually pregnant with twins. Oh, and, and Whoa. She, I was going to tell you in your appointment but that's what the ultrasound tech saw. Um, And so I was like, oh my goodness. And so, but she said, the reason they didn't tell you is in one of the babies, they saw a little bit of like a irregular heart. Mm -hmm. Um, So she said, maybe you just miscarried the one and you're going to keep the other baby. Mm -hmm. Which does happen. If Mm -hmm. 
it actually does happen where one twin unfortunately will pass but then the other if they're you know not identical and stuff then one will continue yeah yeah which I hadn't like, I had not heard of, but my midwife had told me. So I was like, okay. And we were actually out of state. So we were driving back Mm -hmm. home. So I had already, I miscarried out of state. We were driving back home Mm -hmm. and then I miscarried a few days later, the Mm -hmm. second baby. So it was kind of a roller coaster of like, yeah. And then thinking, well, maybe, you know, I'm so so sorry. Yeah, that was really tough. And I think what we hadn't told really anybody we were expecting. And I had told my parents, but we hadn't told anybody else. And then when we lost the baby, it was kind of like, oh, we just didn't really feel like telling anybody in the beginning because we had lost the baby. But then as a little bit of time went on, we did end up telling people. And I think for me personally, everyone's different, but for me personally, it helped a little bit in the loss because I felt like my babies were acknowledged. I know some people would maybe rather just keep it private, but for me, it kind of actually helped me a little bit in the grieving process mm-hmm. um, I felt like they were acknowledged, even though they were only, you know, I was only eight weeks along. It was a miscarriage. Right. We did end up telling people that we had lost um, the babies. So we lost the baby. So we said, all right, let's go ahead and move um, because I'm no longer expecting, right? Right. And so we bought the tickets. We started packing up and then we found out we were expecting again. Uh, wow. Oh, yeah. About two months later. So I miscarried in April and I found out I was expecting in July. So we said, well, let's go ahead and go. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little ignorant on my end. I hadn't done research, but I'm just thinking, you know, we're moving to South America, Argentina. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty modern country and we were going to a big city, Cordoba. And mm-hmm. so like, I mean, there has to be like people there, you know, there has to right. be uh, like midwives or doulas or, you know, I knew they had obviously big hospitals, but I kind of wanted the same experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm sure they have, you know, I'm sure they have people there. And so I just kind of went with the idea of I'll find care there. Very like mystic, um, which is kind of my personality. (laughs) I was like, oh, we'll figure it out when we get there. We'll find people there. So we got to Argentina and, um, trying to find a house, trying to buy furniture. I mean, you know, we started from zero, uh, we didn't know anybody in that, uh, state that we were moving to. So we're trying to meet new people and all this stuff. And then I started asking people that I would meet, like, do you know, like midwives? Do you know? And they're like, no, we've never heard of that before. And I'm like, what? Wow. Really? <laughs> yes. And so they all start telling me. Interesting. And then, so then I asked like doctors because then we went in well, let me go back a little bit. So we went in and got an ultrasound because I hadn't had an ultrasound yet in my pregnancy. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was, and we found out it was twins again. Really? Yes. So I had two twin pregnancies back to back. Back to back. Back to back. And they told me it was twins. And we were shocked because I had miscarried the twins. I just never thought I was going to be pregnant with twins again. So we were very, very surprised so we did an ultrasound. So then I started, you know, interviewing doctors. I couldn't find any midwives. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so then the doctors told me, no, midwifery is illegal. Some doctors would tell me it was illegal in Argentina. And then other people would say like, well, they, we don't have any, like, it was very confusing. And I was like pretty bummed because I really wanted that experience that I had with my first, because I felt like it was just such a great experience, such a great birth. So through different people, different connections, we started finding like health food stores. I really like to eat like healthy and things like that. And we found more of kind of like, I guess, like more of like the hippies, you could say, um, they kind of lived they didn't live in the city. They lived further out and they would come in and sell stuff. And they told me we know midwives because they had had their babies as midwives. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is great. And so we actually traveled about an hour out of the Did city you? and we would meet with these midwives. And so I was really happy. Again, I started feeling optimistic. You know, I was very excited. Yeah. Um, but it was just very different than midwifery care stateside. Mm -hmm. So for example, like they were very nice, but it was, they didn't do any, I guess, medical things really. They would just kind of be like, how do you feel? Like more of like a monotrice, like, well, because midwife doula, like, mm -hmm. yeah. So like they never measured me. They never listened to the heartbeat. They never weighed me blood pressure, like nothing. You know, their credentials. I'm so curious, like what their credentials were. Well, that was kind of a thing too, that we were worried about in the sense of some of the people who had birthed with them, they didn't have like birth certificates for their babies. Oh, and we're like, well, obviously we need birth certificates because we need to get their papers. Like, you know, we have to travel to the embassy. What do we have to travel? Yeah. (laughs) And so then we kind of started learning that it was more like people who almost wanted to be like off grid. And I'm like, I'm not that natural. Like Like underground midwives. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So. I was kind of wanting a little bit more care than that because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I have twins and, you know, I wanted to check on the babies and everything. And so they were like, well, go to this doctor. So they suggested I go to a doctor. So we went to this doctor and in the beginning, he seemed very supportive. He was, um, so that's where I did all of my blood work and my blood pressure. And he would check on the babies and do all of that. Yeah. But the plan was I was going to deliver with the midwives as long as everything was looking good. And he yeah. said that he would sign off on it because he was a doctor and I was under his care. Yeah. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Lactation Network, or as we call them, TLN. I have three babies and three different breastfeeding experiences. After I got quote unquote mastered with my first, I never thought about breastfeeding being difficult again. But with my second daughter, when she was born, a pound smaller and developed torticollis from birth, I found myself feeling stuck again and wondering who I could call and who I could get help from. My babies like to come on weekends, so once again, I didn't have an IVCLC available at my hospital. I ended up reaching out to one locally. She was amazing, but also super spendy. I told my husband how it was well worth it, But I didn't get why IBCLCs were not covered by insurance. After all, we are feeding humans. It's kind of a big deal. 
Well, guess what, mamas? Because of TLN, you can get breastfeeding help and have it covered by your insurance. It's absolutely amazing, and I feel like the entire birth world needs to know it. I honestly suggest all mamas plan ahead if you can. Get a free consultation today, no matter if you are planning or have a situation that you need to be seen really soon. You can check them out at tln.care slash VBAC. So um, that was the plan. I was very happy. I was like, okay, like I'm going to get it. I'm gonna, And we were going to do a home birth this time. And so I had, you know, all my birthing kit and everything. And my parents came in from Texas for the birth. So we were super excited about that. And then I went in for my 37 appointments, 37 week appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything had been good. The babies are in good position. Like nobody's, you know, in distress. My blood pressure is good. Everything was good. I was very healthy in my pregnancy. And I go in and he's like, all right, um, are you going to do your C-section today or tomorrow? And I'm just like, like, what? And he just completely flipped. It was just like, he would claim very like disassociated, almost like he hadn't talked to us about other things where before he had told me, you know, all these things that he was going to let me you know, even if I delivered in the hospital, he said, oh yeah, like I'll let you deliver and this and that, but there was another head doctor that was in that appointment. And so I don't know if there was some like, Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe he wasn't supposed to let me have the baby vaginally. I'm not sure, but it just became very, just a very weird situation. And so my husband and I just left that appointment kind of like, what just happened? I bet very confused, like very confused. And so we were just like, oh, we'll call you. And we just kind of like left. Yeah. So then after that, he started pressuring us a lot to come in and do the C-section. Like we had to come in and do the Mm C-section. And so I talked to our midwives about it. And they said, oh, he called us too. And like, we, we're not going to deliver your baby anymore. And I was mm-hmm. like, why? And they were like, well, we don't want to get in. Like, they didn't want to be involved politically, I think, because I'm of sure. them yeah. being underground. And so it just became, I just felt completely abandoned, really, by both of my providers, because I mm-hmm. thought I had a supportive OB. And then I thought I had supportive midwives. And then within a week, they both just kind of abandoned Switched me. on you. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And so it was very like, oh my goodness. And I didn't know what to do. And it was just one of those things of, and I kept on um, asking the doctor, like, will you just let me try to labor, like try to mm-hmm. have a delivery if I go in to the hospital and no, and you know, they wouldn't policy was they didn't let the husbands go in. Um, in Argentina, they don't let the husband go in. Really? Yes. This is what I, these are the things I wish I could find out, right? I wish I could know birth all around the world. That's interesting. Yeah. So there, they don't let the husband go in with you. I think typically the women are also like knocked out, like under. Really? Still to today? What? So that's one of the reasons why like the husband's not in there. It's just kind of more of like really like a surgery surgery, I guess, in that sense. So the our doctor knew that me and my husband wanted to be together. And so he told us, if you come in on Sunday, 
I'll do the C-section and I'll let your husband in there because we don't have any other C-sections for that morning mm-hmm. scheduled. And so me and my husband talked about it. We cried. It was like, we didn't know what to do, you know, mm-hmm. and I just felt like, well, at least he's letting my husband in. It was just one of those things. It was I hard. To- yeah. You have to like take the wins where you can and yeah, that's like, hard. Yeah. It's like, we're not going to free birth. Like, what are we going to do? And we- so we told, okay. And my parents were there. That was another thing I, I right. knew, especially if I had the C-section, my mom only had a week left to stay. Mm. And I was like, especially if I have a C-section, I had a one-year-old, she was about to be two, but she wasn't two yet. And if we're going to have two babies, I'm going to have a C-section. We might as well go ahead and do it. That way I have my mom here to help us. For the first yeah. So we decided to go in. And like I said, I was completely ignorant. I had kind of grown up in this circle, I guess, in the sense of my mom had had home births. A lot of my friends were also, you know, did home births or births. And I didn't really know anybody who had had a C-section. And I, I should have researched it, especially with twins, you know, but I really just didn't. And I really did not know what to expect at all. I just went in and not really knowing anything. Yeah. Oh, that's one thing I wish I had done, I guess, is more kind of research and looked into, you know, what does it really entail and recovery and, you know, just to better prepare myself because I really went in with no idea. So I went in for the C-section, felt very forced because, you know, we pretty much were forced. It wasn't like we wanted it. So they hooked me up to the monitors and then they told me they were going to monitor me for two hours. So they hooked me up, monitored me before they did the C-section. So they hooked me up and then about 10 minutes into being hooked up, they're like, you're in labor. And I was like, what? And so they checked me and I was like five centimeters dilated. But you weren't even feeling anything. No, I mean, I was contractions. Yeah, I was feeling uncomfortable. But I mean, I was expecting with twins. I was 39 weeks at this point. I'm just kind of uncomfortable all the time. Right. Yeah. So I didn't really, I mean, I felt uncomfortable. My back hurt, but I didn't think labor, you know, and I just kind of felt like I'm uncomfortable. I'm tired. I'm not sleeping well. I didn't recognize that I was in labor. And I think it probably started that morning but that day I was so stressed, just kind of getting ready for the C-section. Yeah. I think yeah. I had kind of like had it in the back of my mind. But then when they told me that, I was like, oh, stink. I wouldn't have come in if I knew it was in labor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But anyway, so then it became just like this cascade of everybody rushing in the room and rush, rush, rush. Mm. And you know, trying to get the IV in me. They couldn't get an IV in me. I was, of course I was freezing. I hadn't, they wouldn't let me drink all day. So my C-section was at seven planned for seven that night from that morning. They didn't want me drinking or eating since that morning. So I hadn't had anything. And then they're trying to stick all these IVs in me and it's just like not working. I had tons of bruises all over my arms. So they bring in, um, a peds, um, to do the Mm -hmm. IV. The light. Yeah. Yeah. So that worked. And then they rushed me to the OR. Um, of course, it's like freezing. 
they do the spinal tap. And as soon as they put in the spinal tap, I got the shakes like mm. really bad. And it was just that uncontrollable, like, mm-hmm. I just almost felt like I was going to like fall off the table. Like, I don't oh, know. Very. Yeah. My husband wasn't in there yet or my doctor. So there was nobody that I knew in the room and I wasn't like covered. And I just remember I was just felt like so exposed and so mm-hmm. just like, and they tied my arms down and mm-hmm. it was just very, very traumatic. Like I know some people have C-sections and they go really well, really smoothly. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's great. But that was not my experience. <laughs> my experience was very traumatic in that yeah. sense, you know, but then my husband came in and he kind of calmed me down. Yeah. Uh, doctor came in and he was like, you know, get her drapes on, you know, all this stuff. So he kind of brought a little more order. And the thing that surprised me was how fast it was, I guess, from having mm-hmm. a labor before a C-section, I just felt like, they started and he's like, here's your baby. And I'm like, I felt like I wasn't ready. Like my brain was, you know, connecting. Yeah. It's it's quick. It's so fast. And I'm just like, but then again, no, you know, skin to skin, no, nothing. Just kind of like showed me the baby over the curtain, rushed it off. And then showed me the next baby over the curtain, rushed it off. And so I told my husband, uh, go with the babies. I wanted him to be with the babies. So I stayed there and they stitched me up and everything. And so we got back to the room and it was just kind of a rough recovery from the beginning. I won't go into everything just kind of for time. But so one of the things was that my pain medicine was not administered. So they thought they had their NIV in me for the pain medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And when the nurses would come in and they kept on checking on me, I kept on telling them I'm in a lot of pain. And they told me, oh, it's because you're breastfeeding. Like we can give the mm-hmm. babies a bottle. Let us take the babies to the nursery and we'll give them a bottle. And I'm like, no, like I've breastfed before. I'm like, no, I'm in a lot of pain. And the other thing was they had me up walking pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Within about an hour and a half, I was up because I didn't have a catheter in, they didn't put one in mm-hmm. surgery. And so they came in after the surgery and wanted to place one. And I'm like, no, don't touch. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah. I'll get up and go to the bathroom. But I was in a lot of pain and I'm trying to get up and go to the bathroom. I didn't know what was going on. So that's like all night. And then the next morning, a new shift of nurses came on. And I told the nurse the same thing when they came in. Yeah. I was and then a lot of, you know, I'm a lot of discomfort, a lot of pain. And then they went and they checked my IV and they were like, oh, it was never hooked up to the bag. So I had my IV in my arm, but it wasn't connected to the bag. For, so I was having mm-hmm. medication. Oh, dear. <laughs> and so then they just reconnected it. But it's like, by that time, my pain is like, like, I Past need to- the point. Yeah. Be stronger. So that was, that was tough. And, you know, yeah. just kind of trying to nurse and change your baby's diapers and trying yeah. to bottle the baby and being yeah. in the <laughs> so That was really hard, but we kind of got over that. And then I also had an allergic reaction to something that they cleaned me with mm. for the C-section. So I had like these red itchy like bumps. Like a betadine or something? I think that's what it was. So it was just kind of like these red itchy bumps kind of all over Mm -hmm. my torso. And so that was 
uncomfortable as well. But we ended up being able to go home. Finally, we were so happy to go home. There's nothing yeah. like being home, you know. And then about a week into being home, my C-section scar reopened. Oh, no. And it was like, again, something I had no idea that could happen. Like I had never, of course, I hadn't researched, but it was just, I was like, how can this happen? I didn't know this could happen. Uh, So I, uh, we battled with that for a while. Eventually it did reclose. We didn't have to go in and do another surgery. It was just good. that had opened. So that was (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. it was one of those other things, hurdles, I didn't think that were going to come from a C-section. Yeah. Um, but then about a month postpartum, the babies were doing well. They were nursing. I was able to breastfeed both of them, which I really wanted to do, but I didn't know yeah. if I was going to be able to. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. So I did just feel like I was just breastfeeding all the time, but I loved it because it kind of gave me a chance to bond more with the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was really good. But then our son passed away unexpectedly mm-hmm. uh, at a month. He was a month and a day old. Oh. Um, he passed away in his sleep. So that was really, really hard, of course. Um, so we're in, you know, I'm so sorry. Like I just got the chills. I'm (laughs) just watching you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. That was really, really tough, you know, in any circumstance. Absolutely. But it was like, we didn't have, you know, any family, any really friends. We had met people and we were getting to know people, but we had only been in the country for about six months. So it was, you know, it's, it's different. Yeah. And, and we didn't know all the procedures of like funerals and just all of that stuff. You don't think you're, you know, ever going to navigate, no. right? No. Planning a funeral and just looking into things like that. You never think you're no. going to be planning that, you no. know, for your child. And so it was just very unexpected, very hard. And just something that we didn't expect, obviously, and something that when it happened, I was kind of like, I never want to have a baby again, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of just like the C-section being really hard, having a really rough recovery. And then finally feeling like, you know, I think I'm kind of recovering. I still, at this point, my C-section still had not closed. So I still had this Mm -hmm. open womb and I was just kind of still dealing with a lot of stuff postpartum. And then to have our son pass away, I was just like, you know, we're never going to do this again. (laughs) Um, Very, very traumatic, very hard. But me and my husband were very uh, religious in that. I think that really, really helped us just, you know, clinging to the Lord and reading the mm-hmm. songs, just all those things. And of course, we had a lot of people praying for us around the, really around the, you know, country and in the mm-hmm. States, a lot of people that knew us that were supporting us. And I think that really helped to get us through that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, about a year after that, after losing our son and after having my C-section, I still didn't, I wasn't thinking about having another baby and I didn't know anything about like 
a VBAP, like chances of having a vaginal birth after cesarean. I was scrolling through my Facebook and I was in a home birth group on my Facebook page, which I had thought I had put on mute because it was one of those things like, I didn't want to see people having beautiful home births. And it was just like, no, I thought I had put them on mute. And then one day they just showed up on my feed Mm. and it was a lady. And I wish I could remember who it was, but I couldn't go back and find it. But um, she had actually had a VBAC home birth. So she was on the VBAC link Facebook page, but Um, she had posted on the home birth page as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was talking about this. And then I was just like, I was so like sucked in, like, what Mm. is this possible? And so I started researching and I found the Facebook group and then I found the podcast and I like every episode (laughs) and um, I still didn't feel ready to have a baby, but just the sense of like that possibility, like gave me so much hope. Like I was so excited and I remember telling my husband about it. So I would listen to it and during lunch. Yeah. Because at that time, my babies were still really little. And so that was kind of like my, you know, when I would eat my lunch, I would listen to the VBAC link. And it was just, it was so encouraging and so inspiring to hear all of these stories of these ladies and, you know, different circumstances, different backgrounds, being able to achieve that, you know, and I was, so I was so happy and just, I started researching and just reading anything I could about, you know, VBAC and options. options. And so about a year after that, me and my husband were talking and we said, maybe we would like to have, try to have a baby, but like next year we weren't ready, ready. still at that time, but we were kind of talking about, you know, maybe, maybe we could, maybe, you know, that's or that, but I was like, if we're going to have another baby, like. I really, really need to have a supportive provider because that was my biggest mm-hmm. thing that I felt like, I just really felt like they felt me in the sense of, I felt like I had support and then I didn't have any support right. from either side. Right. Um, so I felt very abandoned, you know, and I was like, I just don't want that to happen again. And yeah. so I started researching providers. We were still in Argentina And we have like this app where you can call the States. And so I just started calling like doctors, OBs, midwives, um, and all in different States because we were scheduled the next year to go back stateside. We had been in Argentina four years and then we were going to be about nine months stateside. And so I was like, I can pretty much, I'm open. I can go to North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. I mean, I was just calling everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so, of course, originally I called my provider who I'd had my first with, and she told me per the state, they could not do VBACs. She couldn't do VBACs anymore. So I was disappointed about that. She referred me to some people who might. So I was kind of calling that area. And then um, my parents had recently moved to South Texas. So um, that's where I am now. So we're in Mm -hmm. the South Texas, the Valley area. So it's all the way down in Texas. Yeah. And I had not heard great stuff about providers here. I had never really lived here. So I started calling around here as well. So I was like, you know what? Like I was just calling everywhere, but it was so funny. I was just like, you know, it's like, I know I'm not expecting, but I'm just like, (laughs) you know what though, that 
that is one thing that I think is actually really good to do before you're expecting because we're in a different mind frame. It's actually really healthy to start before because we're not vulnerable. And I mean, we're vulnerable, but like we're not expecting and it's, I don't know, we're in a different place, right? Yes, for sure. And we don't feel like we're on like a time clock. In the exactly. Sense that, yeah. I have to find a provider. I have to make a decision because I'm pregnant yeah. now. It's like, no, I'm preparing and I'm going through these motions to find that supportive provider. So when I get pregnant, it's there. I'm supportive. Like I'm supported, right? Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I felt like. I kind of wanted to find somebody before Mm-hmm. Um, and of course I knew maybe once I got pregnant, once I met them in person, it might not it, work. It could change. Yeah. But I just wanted like a base, something to go off of and feel like I have found somebody that at least I know I can talk to if we mm-hmm. do get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so thankfully, fortunately I did find somebody here in the Valley. So I talked to her on the phone about two times. We had two uh, phone conversations and she was so nice. And really just took time to talk with me. We went through my history. And I mean, like looking back, I mean, I wasn't even expecting. And she just really took time with me and just really talked through. Um, She was so sweet, but also very informative, you know, letting Mm -hmm. me know these are things that could happen with a VBAC, just giving me all the facts. I really appreciated that with her. She wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything, but also not fearmonger me at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Uh, So um, I really liked her. And so anyway, time happened. I'm trying to remember. So I'm in second year. So then the third year we head back stateside and we were not pregnant. And this had never happened to us before. We had always gotten pregnant pretty quickly with all of our babies. And with this baby, it took us about a year to get pregnant Mm -hmm. with her. So you know, six months into it, it's like, well, you know, that can happen. But then about eight, nine months, you start thinking maybe something's wrong with me, you know? Right. Yeah. I really didn't know. And to this day, I don't know because I never went in. I never did any testing. I just thought maybe it's taking longer. You know, I really wasn't sure. Um, I just started trying to focus more on my health and, you know, taking some supplements and making sure I was eating good food and all that stuff. And about around the year mark, we found out we were expecting. So uh, we were super excited. We were living in Indiana at the time. So I went to an OB in Indiana and Mm -hmm. actually we went just because um, we weren't going to move here to the Valley until I was 27 weeks. Mm -hmm. And my midwife wanted me to have some form of care before. Right. Uh, obviously. And so, and she wanted to make sure it was not twins again with my truck record. Your history. Yeah. (laughs) Because she said, I do not feel comfortable doing a VBAC twin birth is Mm -hmm. what she had told me, which is fine. Um, so she said, I do want you to go in, you know, do an ultrasound, have a couple checkups, see what's going on. Right. So, uh, we found an OB, not necessarily looking for a VBAC supportive OB, but just going in for an OB. But he ended up being great. Like I really recommended him. Um, he was Dr. LeBon in Bloomington, okay. Indiana. But they were so great. And I was actually kind of sad when we left them because I felt like 
I could have maybe had a VBAC there as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were very supportive of me doing a VBAC and just really, really nice. But of course, he was a doctor and OB. They weren't working at a, like a birth center or something like that. But mm-hmm. it was a great experience. So we found it was one baby and she was a girl and everything looked perfect. And so we were so excited. So then we moved to the valley and I was able to reconnect with that same midwife I had called almost two years ago now when we were still in Argentina. Yeah. And we had done a couple of Zoom calls while we were in Indiana. Yeah. Um, it was really great. Just kind of feeling like we could get More to know connection. each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Build a connection. So we started care with her. And really the pregnancy was wonderful, really great. I was really sick in the beginning, which I wasn't with my other ones, but that's okay. <laughs> I was sick for about four months, like throwing oh. up every day, which I hadn't had with my other pregnancies, but everything was well. I did start seeing chiropractor care more from the beginning this time. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to stay on top of everything. I was walking I was doing my squats. I was just trying to do everything to get this V back. Um, And then around 34 weeks, um, we decided to hire a doula, which I had never had. Um, My husband and I were talking and I was like, I just feel like maybe I could have a little more support just coming from, you know, the traumatic experience we had our last birth. I just really felt like I wanted that support. And so I talked to my midwife and she had some recommendations. She recommended a few doulas in the area. So I met with them. We hired a doula and it was really great because she really helped me in the sense of calmed me down in the sense of, I don't think, I didn't want to think about like if my VBAC didn't work, like if I ended up. Right. I just kind of was like, I don't want to think about that. I just want to focus on my VBAC, which is great. But at the same time, I think we have to be realistic. And she really helped me come up with a birth plan of what ifs. And so I really felt more prepared in the end because we had a birth plan. If I transferred, if it ended up being a C-section, things that I wanted because we talked through it and she's like, you know, you can request, you know, skin to skin, you can request Mm -hmm. and, you know, things I didn't know about. And I'm like, I didn't know you could do that, you know? Yeah. And then some things I had learned just listening to the feedback link, you know, that you can have skin to skin with a C-section, you can do Mm -hmm. the clear drain, but just, you know, things I didn't know about. And so even if it was a repeat cesarean to have a better experience, and I think that is possible to have a beautiful you know, cesarean as well. Yeah. Um, and so she really helped me write everything up in that way. I think I felt a lot more prepared, even if uh-huh. like, if this doesn't go like I want it to go, I still have this plan and I can still have a really beautiful birth. Mm-hmm. And so that really gave me confidence either way, you know, time progressed. I went, I got to 40 weeks. I kept on telling my family, I was like, I feel huge. I think I'm going to go before. I think I'm going to have this baby early. And it was like wishful thinking. (laughs) I got to 40 weeks and it was a Sunday and I was having labor. I started having some contractions, nothing crazy, nothing, you know, but I started having some contractions. We went to church that morning anyway. 
sitting through church, I was very uncomfortable, kind of just like, I guess, because you're just sitting too. And I was just like, right. Yeah. Not comfortable. I don't really like this. And I started losing a little bit of my mucus plug. So I started getting really excited because with my first, I didn't really have any of that until I was in labor. Like it was like, I was going to have her in a few hours where I lost my mucus plug. Right. Oh, this is happening today. Like I got so pumped. And so after church, I told my husband, let's go walk because I just wanted to get things going. Right. Um, But it was a rainy, really windy day, just a nasty day. So we went to this mall and we were just like doing rounds, like walking, 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 walking. We walked for hours and then we came home. I took a bath and my contractions pretty much stopped. And I was so bummed, but I was like, okay, like it's all right. So I went to bed and I woke up again about four in the morning with contractions, but just very sporadic, nothing, you know, Timeable. right. And so I was like, oh, like, here we go again. So I t- got in the water. And of course, as soon as I got in the water, they stopped, they fizzled out. I had a chiropractor appointment though, that morning um, on Monday. And so I thought maybe I'll get adjusted and it will like start things up, you know? Mm-hmm. So now I'm 41. Yes. 40 and one, one day. Mm-hmm. So I go in I'm adjusted. Nothing happens. And then my mom, I was talking to my mom. And so she's like, maybe I'll come and get the girls. Cause I had the two girls here at the house still. And I'll go ahead and pick them up. And that way you and your, you know, me and my husband could just kind of time by ourselves and kind of see if we can get something started. And so she came, she took the girls and really nothing that day. Um, We were just kind of like, I mean, I was on the ball I was walking, I was doing like squats. I was just so ready to have the baby. Mm-hmm. And looking back, you know, it's like, I don't know why I was in such a hurry, but I was, just, I was so ready. Just to ready. Have- yeah. Ready. So uh, we started timing your contractions around 10 that night because they did start getting a lot more regular. Uh-huh. They were about five to seven minutes apart, lasting about 45 seconds. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I don't know. Like I feel pretty, you know, they're getting, and they were regular for about an hour. Uh, my doula is about an hour from us. And so I really wanted to labor at home with our doula mm-hmm. and then go to the birthing center, which my midwife is about 30 minutes from us. So I'm kind of trying to calculate all of this. Yeah. Um, and so my husband's like, I think we should call the doula. Like, let's go ahead and call her. And so we did, we caught her and she was so sweet and she came. And uh, of course, as soon as she came, she like took my phone away from me. She's like, you don't need to be timing your contractions. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, you just, you know, I'll time your contractions. She turned off the lights. Like we had the lights on in the house and she just really kind of brought everything down. And I actually ended up going to sleep. She put me in this exaggerated, like the side. Uh Uh-huh. Sideline. Yeah. Yes. And she's like, I think you need to rest, which was true because I hadn't rested Sunday night. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't resting Monday night and this is now Tuesday. Tuesday. And so I did, I fell asleep and I slept for about probably 30 minutes. And then I woke up and I was contracting again and they were pretty regular and we were about here about an hour or so. And then we said, okay, let's, let's go in. Cause now they're about five minutes apart. Uh-huh. So we went in and we got checked in. My midwife, of course, checked me, listened to the baby. Everything looked good. 
I got in the water because I really wanted my water birth. I got in the water. And then within about an hour or two, it was like my contractions just stopped. Mm -hmm. And I was just having prodromal labor now looking back. Oh, yeah. And, but I didn't register it in the, you know, during the days that it was going on. Yeah. And so I actually ended up going to sleep. I remember again, <laughs> I got out of the water and she had like these stairs and I started, I wanted to do like the curb walking uh-huh. and I like started again, but they could tell I was very tired and they're like, yeah. why don't you lay down? Like, just lay down for a few minutes and then you yeah. can start working again. I lay down, I went to sleep and I woke oh. up and it was about six in the morning and I was so mad. Huh. Like, what? And I was like, no contractions, nothing. We ended up going home and I cried the whole way home because oh. I was like, you know, no baby, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, um, we went back home, slept, just kind of like the next day. I was like, I'm not timing my contractions. I'm yeah. not looking at it. It's like, whatever. Around one, I put, I was having some contractions and my midwife had sent me home with a TENS unit. Mm-hmm. I had never used before. And so my husband's like, well, maybe just put it on and try it. I mean, you know, we've never tried it before. Never. So I put it on and within like 15 minutes, my water broke. And, oh, really? Um, I was like, oh my goodness. And I called my husband in the bedroom. I was actually in the bedroom. And as he came running in, I was like, my water just broke. And there was some meconium in the water, just a uh-huh. little bit. So I called my midwife and she was like, well, you know, we were about to eat lunch. And she's like, it was about one. And she's like, well, you know, how do you feel? How's contractions? And while I was on the phone with her, I had two big contractions that just felt mm. very different than what I was having mm. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to have lunch at the house and then go. And I'm like, no, let's go. Let's go. And so uh labored in the car. I was, it was very uncomfortable la- laboring in the car by the time we got in the car. And, and I was like, okay, this is the real thing. It felt this different. is labor. I was like, I am in labor. And I just remember my husband just kept on doing like the countdown, like 20 minutes. And then he'd be like 15 minutes until <laughs> like, you got to the birth center. Got to the birth. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we made it. And then again, of course, she had filled up the tub. I was a little nervous to get in the tub because I was like, what? I'm sure. Yeah. But she really encouraged me. She's like, if you want to get in the water, like get in, like, you know, yeah. just go ahead, get in, relax. And so it's like, okay. So I got in the tub and I'm sitting there. They did slow down a little bit. But then I'm sitting there. My husband had actually stepped out to let people know, let my mom know and my parents that we were back at the birth center. And then I remember hearing my midwife tell my doula, you probably want to bring her husband back in. And I kind of thought, why, why, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. And within about 10 minutes, I hit transition and it hit so hard. And I was just like, oh my goodness, I do not remember transition beans. (laughs) Oh, my husband came in and so he actually got in the birth pool with me. Oh, cool. But yeah, and I really love that. He was helping me through the contractions and um, my doula was um, giving me counter pressure. And another thing at the birth center, which I hadn't had with my first birth, is she had the nitrous oxide. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I didn't know if I wanted to use it. 
But I remember being in transition and I had like in the back of my mind, like I wanted to use it, but I didn't verbalize it. And then I look up and my midwife's like, do you want to put this on? <laughs> yes, I do. And so it was like, they kind of, she kind of noticed that I wanted it. And so I did use that during transition. And if anything, I think it just really helped to steady my breath because you have yeah. to hold it open and kind of yeah. like breathe that mm-hmm. in and then breathe that out. And I think it just kind of helped to calm me, ground me, if nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Uh, but that was super helpful. And again, two things that I didn't have with my first home birth, right. you know, birth center birth. So that was great. And so I went through transition and then I just started feeling that, you know, that pushy feel Mm -hmm. and I reached out and I could feel her head. I could just feel this head full of hair. I was like, she's going to have a lot of hair. And I was so excited. And I had envisioned this, like leaning back onto my husband in the birth pool and like catching my own baby was what I really want to do. Yeah. And I just kind of like, that was like my vision for this V-back. That's really what I wanted. So I tried leaning back on my husband and it was just horrible. I couldn't do it. I was like, I I need to be on all fours. And it was this huge, it was huge um, birth tub, obviously, because we're both in there. Um, But I I just need to be on all fours. And my husband had already told me previously, he did not want to catch the baby, which is fine. He was there to support me, but that's why I really wanted to catch the baby. Yeah. But then I remember I'm like in this like zone, you know, of like the baby's traveling down, pushing the baby. I have my hand on her head. And then I remember hearing my husband ask my midwife, like, can I catch the baby? And I was like, yeah. Like, I love that. That's awesome. So he actually caught her. She came out. It seemed like I was pushing forever with her just because my first, it was like two pushes and she was out. And with this one, I would feel her head come out. And then with the end of that contraction, it would like go back in, retract, and then come out and then retract. And then yeah. it felt forever. But once she was out, it was only about 20 minutes that I was pushing, but it felt really long. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> but my labor was really short. It was about three hours from start to finish. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. So prodromal labor did do something. It was working. Yeah. So For those listening, if you have a prodromal labor history, if you're having prodromal labor, I mean, it's not always, so I don't want to like tell you for sure it's always, but it's a very possible chance that you'll have more of a precipitous birth Mm -hmm. once labor does begin. And so anytime we have clients that are having prodromal labor, we're on like extra alert because yeah. we do see those three to five hour births with precipitous or more precipitous labor with prodromal labor happening, especially if it's happened for days and days and days, like in your case. Yes. Yes. So I was happy about that because it is, it is a very like defeated feeling to have that prodromal labor and feel yeah. like nothing's going on. Yeah. And just to kind of back up. I did when that night that we, that morning, which she ended up sending us home, she did ask me before she sent us home, do you want me to check you? I had never had a cervical check. I didn't have any cervical checks during that labor. Mm -hmm. So she did ask me, do you want me to check you? And I kind of went back and forth, but I ended up deciding no, because I was like, if I'm not dilated, I'm going to feel very defeated. Right. 
in the sense of, I feel like I've kind of been laboring on and off for two days and I just feel like it's going to make things like worse. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to feel like it's not doing anything, which I'm sure it was. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, if I am dilated far along enough, like I'm going to know that I'm, you know, so it's kind of like one of those things that we weighed out and we just decided that I wasn't going to be checked. So whole labor, I I never had a cervical check, which was great. I was just kind of in the way, just doing my thing. And we just decided, you know, we weren't going to do any which worked out really great with this labor. I know some people want to know everybody, yeah. you know, is different. But with me, I just felt like, I mean, what if she texts me and I'm like a four and I feel like I've been laboring for like two days and yeah. I'm so really discouraged or what if I'm yeah. like a two? I mean, I didn't know what I was going to be. Right. And so that worked out really well. But going back to her birth when she was born, so her head came out. My husband was back there. He kind of caught her. And then um, her body came out later, but she opened her eyes and she actually looked at my husband when her head was so sweet. And he was like, I can see her. And of course I couldn't see her. And I'm like, what does she look like? Yes. (laughs) It was really neat. And she came out and he passed her to me and we just were in the water with her. And it was just so magical. It was just everything I wanted, even from my first birth, even though my first birth went so well. Right. It felt very rushed, kind of like the being outside and then having to rush to the bed. And mm-hmm. and this was just more very much like on my terms in the sense of yeah. I really enjoyed like nobody was down there with me when I was pushing, like I didn't have any cervical checks. I was just very hands-on the whole time with my baby. And I just really, really loved that. Mm-hmm. And so she was born, we were in the water, we stayed in the water for about 15 minutes, just kind of having that time with her and just yeah. like looking. And then we got out of the water because I had decided that I did, I would prefer to deliver the placenta out of the water, yeah. which I know sometimes with water births, it kind of goes, you know, either way, depending on your provider. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so we got out of the water and we're just having this golden hour. I didn't really realize anything was going on, but then about, I mean, it goes by quickly when you're in birth, you almost feel like you mm-hmm. don't have time. And then my midwife came up and she's like, you know what? It has been close. It's getting close to two hours and the placenta is not detached. Yes. Mm. The placenta is not detached. And the thing that was worrying her is I wasn't bleeding. Mm -hmm. And so she said, I don't see any bleeding. And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking worst case scenario, placenta Mm -hmm. accreta. Is that what it's mm. called? When it attaches? Create um, to the scar. Yeah. To the scar. And so I was kind of like, oh no. And so she told me, I mean, again, she was just very realistic. And so she, they gave the baby to my husband, kind of laid got off the bed, went over there. She told me, I have this water um, saline Mm-mm. that I can inject into the umbilical cord. Mm. And she said, we'll wait 10 minutes. But if nothing happens, I'm going to call an ambulance and we're going to trans- have to transport you to get mm. the placenta out. Oh my. And it was just like, I had this beautiful birth, such a great experience. And that was like the last thing I wanted to do is yeah. have to be transported. So my widow took out this shot. And I mean, it's huge. It was about this big, this really, really thick thing. And at wow. first I was like, where is she going to like do that? 
like, don't worry, it's going to go into the, into the cord. So I remember I got the shakes. I don't know if it was just kind of like the post-birth shakes or I did feel very nervous. And so my doula started praying. She was a believer and my husband was praying that, you know, I wouldn't have to transfer. Right. So she injects it into the cord. And then about 10 minutes, I started bleeding and contracting. And it was just like the best feeling ever to feel like I'm going to get this out. So um, they stood me up. My midwife was on one side. No, her assistant was on one side, my doula and other, and just kind of standing to just kind of give me some gravity. And I was able to deliver the placenta with no That's awesome. Yes. So, yes. So it was kind of one of those like really scary moments, but it wasn't, it didn't last that long, but in the time it felt like this could be really scary, you know, like we didn't know what was going on. And my midwife later, she didn't tell me at the time, of course, but later when she came and did visits, she was like, I've never done that before the, the injection. She said, yeah. I had just taken a, taken a class um, a couple months ago about it and learned that you can do that with placentas if they're not detaching. But she said, I've never used it before. And I was like, oh my goodness. That's really cool though. I want to research that. I've never heard of it. Okay. Yeah. I, I had never heard of it either. And she was kind of explaining it to me, but it's almost like if it's, I mean, not, not if it's a placenta accreta, not if it's ingrown, obviously, Uh but it's just kind of like stuck when you inject that water in it, it almost kind of like blows it up a little bit Mm. and it helps to move it, like gets it a little heavier where it kind of like comes. So what my midwife explained to me afterwards is my placenta did have a big blood clot had formed on it. Mm-hmm. So she said it was almost like it had formed like a, like a suction. I don't know if that makes sense. Like my blood clot was in the middle. Oh, almost like it had kind of like a sucky, you know, like those bath toys that you kind of like stick on the bath yeah. or kind of how she explained it. So she said it wasn't really stuck, stuck, like ingrown. It was just kind of like suctioned because uh-huh. of that blood clot. And I don't really know why. Very interesting. Yeah. So that was something very interesting that kind of happened after, you know, the whole beautiful birth was the whole placenta, which was a whole nother thing. But I had never heard of that before. And of course, my midwife had never used that technique, but we were very happy with the outcome. Yeah. I just Googled it really quick and it says, yeah, umbilical vein injection for management of retained placenta. Yes. Yes, that's cool. I am totally gonna geek out on this. This is very, very <laughs> cool. And I'm so glad that you didn't have to transfer because that would be that would be a bummer, right? Like that would be a bummer, but oh my gosh. And yeah. your picture, if you guys are listening, go check out their picture on Instagram or Facebook. It's beautiful. You and your husband in the tub holding yeah. your baby. Oh, it's just it gives you all the feels. I love it. I love it. And that's another thing. My doula actually just snapped that picture on my phone. Um, she had asked me previously, of course, um, she was like, do you want me to snap some pictures? Cause she's like, really, once you start pushing, my job is done. Um, of course, unless I was having some issues, you know, but she was like, I can just use your phone. I'll snap some yeah. pictures. 
And if you don't like them, you can delete them. Like they're yours, you know? Yeah. Like, sure. Because, you know, when you're in labor, you're kind of, yeah. you're just kind of feel disconnected. Yes. And I love them. Like, even though you're just like snapshots from her and we have a video of the baby being born oh, and it's awesome. just, I, I love it. I'm so glad that, that she did. Yes. That I have that as a memory. So, so yes, we had our be back baby and she was my biggest baby by far. We were very surprised. Hey. So I'm pretty petite and pretty small. And my babies were six eleven, and then six pounds and five thirteen. So I've had pretty, you know, smaller babies. Uh-huh. Um, normal for my family. All my sisters have had babies like that. My mom. Yeah. Um, she came out and I did feel like she's big. Like when uh-huh. I was birth. I felt like this is a big baby, but then yeah. I'm thinking maybe I just forgot what feels like. Right. Um, and when they weighed her, she was 8'11". So Whoa. Yeah. For, you know, than for, others. for my other babies, she was a, a pretty hefty baby and wow. but had no tearing. And I think that the whole just letting my body work and yes. even it was a little frustrating to fill her crown and then kind of almost feel like she was going back up, but yeah. I think allowing your body to stretch and work with your body. It just, I mean, you know, yeah. our bodies are made to do that. And I just feel like if we give it time and, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like I could have, I almost wanted in some instances to kind of like grit down and like push, but yeah. I really felt here. And I was just like, kept on trying to slow myself down and just have my hand there. And yeah, I was it was really happy. So I'm so thankful. I had a great V back, a little scary, Absolutely. Santa, but everything yeah. was really, really great. So, oh. well, huge congratulations, huge, huge congratulations. And we learned something new, possible way to help get out a retained placenta. So if you are having that, or if you're having an out of hospital or even in hospital birth, maybe that's something to ask your provider about and see because it looks like this was published this Cochrane database review is in 2021 so definitely check that out if you especially if you have history of that such a great educational piece so thank you so much for that and thank you for being here and sharing your beautiful stories yeah thank you for having me and just thank you for everything you do like I said it was just that really encouraged me to really have another baby, but then also know that I could, you know, attempt this feedback. Yeah. I didn't know it was possible. And then just finding community of other people who have gone yeah. through, through this. So thank you so much for everything you do, all the research. I know it takes a lot of time and effort, but thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, the worldwide database for VBAC doulas, and more, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.